0: We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy, one conversation at a time.
1: Three, two, one, zero, ignition.
0: Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Key, President of PioneerX. Today, I'm here with Mark and Josh. Hi, I'm Mark Bivens, VP of Sales for PioneerX. Hi,
1: I'm Josh Howland, Vice President of Clinical Strategy. Today, also with us is Calvin Knowlton,
0: CEO of Tabula Rasa Healthcare. First of all, I, I guess, uh, can we call you Cal? I, I hear I, yeah, after we funny. left there, mm-hmm. everybody calls you Cal. Is that is that like they they do it to you? Do they say Cal? Or is that kind of like... They just abbreviating that in the background? What's the no, story everybody,
2: there? Everybody does, except for the younger people call me Dr. Nolton, you know, because I think they just out of respect. But so, but the executive team, we're all on first-name basis, counts it.
1: So I'm going to go with Dr. Nolton. I am just saying.
3: It's like, hey, the
1: younger crowd oh, calls hey me Josh, Dr. Nolton. I think that's our cue, man. The, all right.
0: The, 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 the hip. <laughs> The hip in crowd (laughs) calls me Dr. Nolte. That's right,
3: noted. Uh, Well, just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you you got into pharmacy. You've started so many businesses, too. Um, If you can, just kind of give us the start and how it started.
2: Well, I think it was uh, the the first mountain I was trying to climb had to do with uh, pharmacy because I worked in a pharmacy in high school. And... And then I went to college at a little small college called Ryder uh, outside of Princeton. And my, I would, go, I would go back there and work in the pharmacy on the holidays. And, the, and, I, and in my third or fourth year, I forget, whatever. And the guy said to me, the pharmacist said, what are you going to do with this di- degree in biology? You know, that and yeah. the 25 cents will get you a cup of coffee or whatever he you." <laughs> and uh, I said, well, what do you think? And he said, well, I want to take you over to the pharmacy school in Philadelphia uh, they have an open house next weekend. So he and his wife took me over, then took me out to dinner. It was very nice. You know, I'm a kid. And uh, so I applied. and But to be honest with you, there's two schools of pharmacy. Uh, now there's three, but there were two then, Temple University and Philadelphia College of Pharmacy or University of Sciences. And I couldn't afford that. I had to put myself through a college, unfortunately. My family was very poor. So um, I, I went to Temple because it was about half the price. But that's what got me into it. It was just uh, a very nice person that, you know, his name is Bob Rosvold and Bob uh, reached out to me and mentored me and, and, you know, I, I I don't know what I'd be doing. I mean, it's, it's difficult when you're young to figure out what path you're going to go down.
0: So, so 10 different companies kind of give us those real quick. Uh, I I think we saw that you'd started um, 10.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Did you already, did you already have this real drive to, to always be entrepreneurial or were they born out of solving problems? What 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 drove you to? Man, I, I don't. I, we I know people have one, not done ten. So.
2: I think a lot of it is uh, birth order. You know, I was the oldest, and typically the older. The, if you look at certain profession, certain paths in life, a lot of times the older folk, the firstborn, does things more frequently than than other people in the litter. But anyway, uh, I I just had to do it because I, you know, I had, I had paper around, I had all that stuff when I was a kid, and I and I, again, my my folks didn't have much money. I mean, when I was in high school, our house got taken away. So oh, wow. you know, you kind of you kind of <laughs> you kind of survive. You know, so you work three or four jobs, which I did. And this and the way I got started, I was I was uh, doing an internship for a year in the hospital after I finished pharmacy school. And this gentleman, and, and the pharmacy was, uh, the, the hospital pharmacy, the hospital was close to a, a local community pharmacy about a quarter mile away. And the pharmacist frequently would go out at lunch and walk over and go in the back room and have lunch with the pharmacist. And I, I, I did that also. And fortunately, this guy in the back room of that pharmacy called me and he said, would you have an interest in coming and buying my pharmacy? And I said, well, Sure. Well, I mean, I don't really have any money, but <laughs> he, said, well, he said, he said, I'll I'll finance it for you. And here he was—he was sick. He had uh, uh, some cancer that had set in, and he realized it. So I was just very fortunate. And so I—I I, I worked. I paid him off in three years. I didn't hire anybody else. I worked. Well, I had a couple of technicians, but I worked—you know—seven days a week and stuff like that. So then, uh, then I started with the pharmacy. So then I had another pharmacy, another pharmacy, and then. I was in hospice, um, and I really enjoyed hospice. I was one of the in in one of the hospice demonstration products and uh, projects, one of the ten, in the early 80s, and I really enjoyed that. And I thought, you know, this would be cool. So I had I had residents at the time. I was also teaching at the university, so I had residents. Uh, I had eight residents. They spent a year with me, and I helped them find their own pharmacy and leverage purchase it like I did. Um and the frequently the owners back in the day were very pleased to do that if you kept their name on it and things like that so that was the incentive so these residents that had moved move into the '90s now these residents were okay. starting to have problems because the PBMs came around oh and and they were they were leveraged right yeah so they took me out to dinner. Five of them took me out to dinner in Philadelphia one night. I thought, this is very nice of them, you know? (laughs) They they want something. They took me out and said, what are we supposed to do?
1: (laughs) I suppose that's better than sometimes five dudes taking you out to dinner in (laughs) Philadelphia.
2: (laughs) So I said, well, why don't we do this? How about if we start a company together in hospice? because I'm I'm having a lot of fun in hospice. It's very good, you're a price setter, not a mm-hmm. price taker, and uh, the, it's not a PBM deal and all. all right. And so we did, and we ended up building a company in 1994. I think we launched it called Hospice Pharmacia. And uh, it was uh, on the East Coast, and then it became throughout the, throughout the country. And, and so that was kind of the biggest company I had. We had about 800 employees, and we were doing about 80,000 hospice people a day. Um, throughout in forty nine states and Guam, and, um, and so we sold that in oh five, uh, and it was a, it was a good deal, but it was kind of like you know let's go into something else, and and then so we had a couple other companies we started. One of the companies that I should never have started was a jet uh, jet airplane company. I, I,
3: I want to uh, hear about that. <laughs>
2: it was, no. uh, we had we had two jets. My wife and I had two jets, uh, Citation Five, Citation Excel, and we would and we had uh, a team. It called uh, it was called Exec Jet USA. Uh, Join the jet sitters was the thing, and and <laughs> we we would we would lease it out, you know, by the hour. So you get three, four, five thousand dollars an hour, maybe a little more sometimes, um, and we were doing about seventy to eighty hours a month, and it was really working well. And I don't know if you guys remember, but years ago. Three executives from Ford, GM, and Chrysler flew into Washington, D.C. in private jets to get bailout money. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, and, I remember that. That was that, huge. That killed our, our business. Oh. That was like <laughs> 9-11 Gosh. because we went from 70 hours to five hours.
3: Oh, wow. And
2: not, not only that, but then Warren Buffett owned net jets at the time. So he had about 1,000 of these mid-sized jets. Like we had two, and he, he dumped them all on the market overnight. Oh, so not wow. only did your P and L go down, you had no revenue, but now your balance sheet was in the old toilet because the the value of the planes
3: yeah just tanked, yeah
2: tanked. Our our one plane that we bought for ten million, we finally were able to sell it for three. Wow! And the God. the other the one, the one the we bought for five, we sold it for one and a half. So I was really good at buy high and sell low. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So, I think that's the so, current market we're in right now with GameStop okay, and yeah. everybody else. So. Yeah, and
2: that's something. And, <laughs> and so that we, we exited that, and uh, we, 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 uh, we started uh, this company uh, back in 2009. And, that, and the reason we started this was because my dad and my mom were in New York City to, seeing a show. And they came out, and he fell over and had a heart attack. And they put him in a local hospital and put five stents in him. And my brother went up to pick him up about a week later. It's about a two-hour ride from where we are. And uh, put him in the back of the car, brought him down to their CCRC where they were living. And when he got down there, my father was pretty much out cold. He hardly had any pulse. He thought he was sleeping, but he wasn't, he was knocked down. So we ran him to the local hospital. Fortunately, they they hydrated him. And after two days, he came out of it and slowly he was okay. But what had happened when he, when they discharged him, they put him on 10 meds using evidence-based protocol, right? For, it's, uh-huh. pro, I, for, for those
3: who can't see and, it, those were air quotes.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and 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 he was he was naive i mean to all of them and and i had told them that he was a a, a partial metabolizer to 2D6 cuz i had tested him back in 94 for 2D6 and 2D, uh, 2C19 or what 2 2C9 i think it was and uh but they didn't know what that meant, I guess. So they put they put him on carvedilol, and that's what almost killed him. Mm. Uh, they should use another beta blocker, or the, yeah. and they put him on 25 milligrams, which is the you know. But he so we could we titrated him down after that to three milligrams, three and a quarter, three and a half. He was okay, but he couldn't tolerate it. So my wife and I we looked at each other after this episode finished, and we said, "There's got to be another way to, to, to have the pharmacist understand what's going on." And 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 it got to the point where we said, you know why can't we come up with something that we all learned in school so we can apply the pharmacotherapy stuff we had in school, the kinetics, dynamics, genomics, Mm -hmm. chronopharmacology, all that bioavailability stuff. We've had that in school and we've never applied it, frankly. And I've been practicing now for like 30 years, right? Right. And so so that's how we started the company. And we said, uh, you know, there's got to be a new way. And so that's kind of, you know, our mission really is to optimize the safe use of medications uh, in all settings. And, and the vision is to be the world's m- most trusted medical safety solution for pharmacists. And our, our 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 goal is there's 4 million pharmacists in the world, and we want them using our system or somebody's, li- something like ours. I don't really care if it's ours or another one, but okay. it's gotta be something that helps them at the point of care apply the science, and help people. And so that's kind of what we're all about. And and we started with PACE okay. uh, in 2011. So
1: I guess for a quick setup, maybe explain yeah. PACE a yeah, little bit. Yeah,
2: yeah that's true. Is that, that... Oh, yeah, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. PACE, you know, we, we fell into this too. But PACE is uh, the program of all-inclusive care for the elderly. It's also called CMS allows you to call it life. Also, living independent for the elderly. Okay. And and it's a closed system. It's like a, it's like a staff model HMO in the, old, in the old days, and it's fully capitated. <clears throat> so they get you know x number of dollars six seven thousand eight dollars 8000 dollars a month uh, from the government to take care of these people. It's an alternative for nursing home placement.
3: Okay.
2: Will it increase now? Absolutely. With COVID, you've seen what happened in a nursing oh. home. Nobody wants to put their parents in a nursing home. That's true. So PACE is an ideal situation. It's a, it's like a, the best one I can describe. There's one in New Jersey that's really beautiful. That was a, a used car, a car dealership that went out of business. So they bought it. They built big building, lots of parking, and they have a staff in there that's all uh, payroll. So physicians, yep. nurses, PT, yep. OT, you know, cooks, Mm-hmm. And they pick the people up uh, at their home, so you live in your home and pace, okay. which is great, right? Yeah, that's they huge. pick them up, they they bring them in. Yeah, I mean, who wants to, who wants to Yeah,
3: you know, especially now. Yeah,
2: you can't you can't even lock your door in a nursing home. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, so 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 they pick them up, they take them to pace center two or three or four times a week, depending, and then they take them home after lunch around two o'clock, and it's uh it's just a wonderful thing. For example, let's say you had something you're on Medicare and you had something where you need to get physical therapy today, right? In the real world. So you're, you're allowed to get so many, maybe five, you know, appointments or something right. like that yep. in pace. If you need physical therapy every day, you get it every day.
3: It's just if part you, of, it, it's part of it, that whole package of that. Yeah, per, yeah. I'm going to call it per member yeah. per month, even though it's probably a bad terminology just the way I think about okay. it. That's no, it, That's right. No, I'm right. Okay.
2: Yeah. So and so so we found we started with Pace and we said, this is a great crucible. This is a great petri dish for us to work on this safe use of medication stuff we're trying to do. And so we started slow which is the anticholinergic and sedative burden, and then we built it up over the years. And now it's we're launching all sorts of stuff now. But the idea is that they appreciate it because they have to pay for downstream sequelae. So if the person falls and breaks their hips and goes to the hospital, Pace pays for it. Okay, so therefore they care what meds do that can cause negative impact downstream. So that's so we're still in pace. There's a lot of other folks in pace now, but we're still like one of the major ones, I guess. And we're still doing. We just did some remote patient monitoring with two pace organizations to test that out. You know, for pharmacovigilance. Right. You know. Uh-huh. So I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff you can do when it's in, when when you're not having to when it's not fee for service and and you're also you're also a price setter not not a price taker here also which is nice but there's a lot you can do to help people in pace and to help the profession so we have you know now when we went public in the late 6, 2016 with this company um we were 100% pace now we're about 50% pace and 50% other services but besides PACE. And that's what, so so PACE will always be part of us, a good part of us, I hope, because we can continue to innovate. And then our idea is, you know, you let, kind of like with the Air Force, Ground Force idea. So we, we will always, frankly, be the, I think, for a long time, the Air Force to help local pharmacists. Because when you start doing medication safety reviews and you start applying the science, um, you have questions. And you don't want to feel like you're out there on a limb, you know? So we have secure instant messaging that we have for the pharmacists to our call center pharmacists. And all of our call center pharmacists are board certified and then certified in MedWise too, so that they can help. And if if the pharmacist in the local community wants to treat Mrs. Jones uh, with med because she looks like she needs some help with something and she could use a medication safety review and they don't have time, we got a button on her that says, do it for me. It comes up into the calls, into the air force. We do it. Then we send it back down to the local pharmacist. They meet with the patient, go over it. So that's the model we've used in, I'll give you an example, in uh, the enhanced medication therapy project with CMS that we're in. We're in the fifth year of that. We have about 400 local pharmacists. In the in the Northern Plains Alliance that have been uh, taken our the certification for Medwise to be a Medwise advisor. It's about a ten hour online course and then about twenty five case studies, <clears throat> and then the, and we can but we we're always attached to them if they have an issue or they have a question, you know. Mm-hmm. But they are, have done a wonderful job, and the and the and the, the results we're publishing a paper now.
1: Do you see the Medwise piece being exposed or I guess transferred from Pace to MTM through the enhanced MTM model?
2: Yes. Yeah, that's it. It's the same. We have we have one we have one focus and that's Medwise. And it and it can be it can be taken to anywhere where people are taking medication. And that's why pharmacists are so important to do this.
1: So and right now there's a ton of fee for service, right? Like probably in community pharmacy, it's like ninety nine point nine percent. right? Yeah, no doubt. So, you know, what do you see the obstacles to bringing something like MedWise to your average pharmacy in, you know, say Dallas, Texas?
2: Well, you know, uh, thank you, CMS. They just came out with the direct contracting this year, which is a new phenomenon. So there's 51, I think, so far, that are, uh, groups that have signed up for it. And what that means is that while 40% of Medicare is Medicare Advantage, which is not, not fee-for-service, you know, it's at risk—financial risk for outcomes. So that's available to all of us to get involved with them because they care about outcomes. But now the other sixty percent—they're allowing you to remain at this point fee for service, but you can do direct contracting where you're bundled. So you're doing fee for service, but you're accepting risk as a bundle. That's where pharmacists should be, and that, because you know, the, first comes the outcome, then comes income, right? So once you can show the outcomes, which we do, then you can. Get the income for it, and you can be a price setter, and it, and it has nothing to do with dispensing prescriptions. You, my, my my vision someday I hope that you have three tiers in pharmacy. Okay. You have technicians, technicians, prescriptionists,
3: okay.
2: and pharmacists. And some pharmacists like to be prescriptionists, and that's fine. But all prescriptionists don't <laughs> don't need they should be so a lot of them should be pharmacists use what we learned in the school and apply it.
3: What do you consider and a prescriptionist?
2: It's either it's right now would be a pharmacist. That doesn't want to do clinical. I gotcha. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's okay. They're, look, we're, we're some people like vanilla, some people like chocolate, right? But, but there's a whole bunch of people that like clinical pharmacy. And, and I believe that the future is so bright basically because they're driving to value-based care. And that's, that's what pace has always been. That's why we were there. But look at everybody else now. Dialysis centers now are at risk. They were never at risk for everything. They're now at risk. We've got calls from dialysis people now. I mean, it's just, and 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 we we just well, I don't I don't want to speculate. I hope, but I'll tell you. You can speculate on that, this.
3: Yeah, uh, you can speculate on well, this.
2: <laughs> well, we've got we've got for example, uh, let me how New Jersey has. Uh, put legislation in to have what we're talking about embedded into all Medicaid in New Jersey. Eight million people. Okay. Medicaid, the safe use of medication. I didn't know that. So, well, it just so happens that it's right down our alley, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, there,
3: yeah based again, if anyone doesn't know, based so in New Jersey.
2: Um, it went. It went thirty-two nothing through the Senate. that we passed last week. Wow, uh, it's now in the assembly, and, and we have a meeting. And we already uh, we already uh, talked to the. I, I presented before the uh, the budget committee in the assembly a month or two ago. So we're hoping it goes to the assembly, and then the the governor. And it's sponsored by the the, the senate leader and the and the assembly leader, which is great. And then the governor side, So what do we do? It, we we have eight million people. We said we will do enhanced medication therapy management, just like we were doing in the Midwest. And we happen to have in New Jersey right now under prescribed Wellness. This is what, and you probably guys have more. I, I hope, but we have 560 pharmacies, and so we're going to do Air Force Ground Force. They love it. You know, the money will stay there. the, the local pharmacists will be able to. Well, they were. They backed the, the local pharmacy. Backed us in this whole thing. So, and this could be everything. Every state. The other thing they did. They came to us and they said. Shoot, this is really cool. Cause we showed them we could save them up to $85 million a year by our interventions on the on the Medicaid people. And we have all these, we have analytics and all that kind of stuff we can show. So they said, how about our how about can we do our state employees, oh. our retirees? Can we add them in? So I said, twist my arm.
3: <laughs> twist my arm. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so so I think I think that you, the 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 you know the the uh the alignment right now with what pharmacists can do and what's needed is really coming together. So, help great. me help me with the
0: dollars. So, um, the, the pharmacist on the ground would provide this in New Jersey,
2: right. who,
0: who gets paid what?
2: It'll be a, a fee for service. We, we know that we have data to show that you need to, uh, you, once you do an intervention, uh, with a medication safety review and do an intervention, it works well. And in about six months, you need another one because we can see the graph starts going down in mm-hmm. six months. You okay. know, so we th- we've we put in there, I believe we put in there two or three times a year it'd be an intervention. If you go on our website, for example, terahc.com, and look under research and development and then click publications, we did 50 publica- 49 publications last year. 49 wow. publications. And, and we've had 340-some citations on it so far, as of the end of December. But we just have another paper that was accepted in the Journal of Patient Safety. So we, so we had a company. It's a nonprofit, very large research company. And they, they put our system there retrospectively looking at these people. With the, and they said, let's see how many people have risk score of 10, 20, and 30. And then they mapped all sorts of things for those people, hospitalization. But what they really did was they looked at premature mortality and what they found these hazard ratio so a hazard ratio of 1 mean but if it's a 2 it's you're twice as likely if it's a 3 you're three times as likely that kind of stuff okay so they did a lot of stats but but the, what they found there's a correlation between the higher risk score and premature death that's huge yeah
3: mm-hmm.
2: so we so we can be life extending you know
3: yeah
0: it,
2: it's huge
0: is new jersey managed medicare or is it i guess it's the
3: state yeah. right yeah is it, yeah, it. is it? it's managed. That, okay, gotcha. Yeah.
0: Who would be, so who, are we waiting to see what happens in New Jersey? Or are we actively working on some other states already?
2: We are not actively working in other states. Uh, we are working on, what we are doing is we're working with, I think we've got eight or 10 signed, we're working with every state pharmacy association right now to get them up to speed on what's possible. Uh, we're working with ASHP. We got a contract with them. We uh, and we're working with uh, APHA, American College Apothecaries, Pharmacists, a couple others. So we're we're doing. We've got national and and local footprints. Our, our team does, and uh, to kind of get people up to speed, mm-hmm. so they would be incentivized to to help us enroll pharmacists and uh, also obviously you know, go to the Medicaid programs and stuff. We're trying to get a win under our belt first before we go right. outside. Yep. Mm-hmm.
3: Trying to have a proof of so, concept kind of, but that,
2: yeah, that'll happen. That'll, but that'll happen. I, I'm, I'm sure it's going, I hope, I hope nothing messes it up, but I'm sure that'll happen uh, in the next couple of months and then we'll be able to propagate it. Yeah.
1: So I, I kind of want to go back where you, you said that it helps to have two reviews, right? Or two or three ish. Is there any, like, You know, if you look at a traditional adherence curve for a patient, about three months after they start a medication, it drops to like 50% or less. And then you do an intervention and they come back up. Why is that true of a medication safety review?
2: Well, because uh, the the cohorts that we work with mostly are uh, people taking a lot of meds, five or more meds, plus over-the-counters. And therefore, they're going to different positions typically. And over a six-month period, they've been there three or four times. Got it.
1: So it's just a matter of adding new things on. Yeah,
2: things are changed. They changed it. You Mm -hmm. know, uh, look, Here's you're hitting the on the head. This system, or somebody else that makes a system like this at some point, I don't care. But this system where you introduce the pharmacist works much better if it's prospective as opposed to retrospective. So retrospective is what we're doing now. Here's the, here's the Medicaid data. Here's the CMS data. They're already taking the meds, you know. Yeah, right. And and we can we intervene and we we get them tuned up a bit, and then they fall off the wagon again. The reason is because it's not prospective. What 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 I hope happens is what we do in PACE. When PACE, we do prospective review. So before when you prescribe something, it comes to our call centers, we review it right away. And we send it to a pharmacy, whether it's our pharmacy or one of the others in the country that we use. We use a ton of them. Uh, But we've reviewed it first. And and then we do about 350,000 instant messages a month now between our pharmacists and the prescribers in PACE. Prospective is what it will be. We have data, for example, to show ROI, return on investment. When it's retrospective, like the CMS project we're doing uh, on 250,000 people out there in the Midwest, Uh, we get about a four to one ROI, four to five to one ROI. In PACE, when we do a prospective, our ROI is 12 to 14 to one.
0: Wow. So, so if it is this continually changing kind of, and and that's what, if you're trying to emulate the kind of the model you guys are doing in PACE, why wouldn't it be more a per member per month? Why do I do one and then I don't think about it and six months later I do another one? Why, why isn't it more of a,
2: yeah, we well we we modeled the EMTM project, and we the reason we did that is because the EMTM project uh, with CMS is is for dual eligibles, so Medicaid understands right. a bit of it already. So we modeled the thing not to make it confusing. Uh, someday the paradigm will shift, and we've told they we've showed them the numbers too. But someday the paradigm will shift, and it will become prospective. So before it gets to a prescriptionist. It goes to the pharmacist and then it goes to a prescriptionist. And that's, that's my dream.
3: Would that in turn lend itself to, cause you're still kind of, if, if I'm, if I'm hearing right, still a little fee for service, right? You're doing it and then you're getting paid for that well, intervention, right? Is there,
2: we are, we do have contracts though. Uh, most of our contracts, frankly, with other groups are, are per diem. I mean, PMPM. Uh, I PM. I you. Gotcha. Yep. You know, we 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 sell a PMPM. We don't sell fee for service. It's just that that's what
3: that's the language that Medicaid. In in fact, yeah, that's that's true. That's the language CMS knows, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, when we when we went and applied in 2015 or 16 for the EMTM to be one of the competitors in that, uh, what we found was that what we do is we gave them a PMPM. So we're getting let let's let's round it off. Let's say let's say it's 250,000 people. Right, mm-hmm. we're, they're, they're, we get their stuff every every month. A, B, and D data. So let's say we're charging four dollars PM, PMPM. But when we risk stratify them out of the two fifty, we're only going to we're only going to intervene on thirty thousand, the higher higher risk ones. Right. We're not right. going to touch these other people. So let's say our PMPM PM is thirty dollars on intervention. Let's say.
3: Okay.
2: So 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 by having that four dollar PM, PMPM or five dollar across the board it still works out that on the people you intervene on, you're getting your $30 PMPM. PM. I got gotcha. you. Right. Understand? Makes, makes sense. sense? Yeah. yeah. Makes so makes total sense. So that's kind of how we do it. Because it, like Medicaid's the same way. They're used to talking in PMPM. PM. Mm-hmm. And okay. if you can do something for a couple bucks or something like that, or buck PMPM PM across the thing, but you say, I'm only going to intervene on the folks that are over a risk score of 14, 14 or over. Right. Okay. So that's kind of, but in the community practice, you have a real big advantage because there you can talk to the people right there. You don't have to call them up. You can talk to them right there, FaceTime, and say, look, you're on these 10 drugs. Let's, let's just talk real honestly. Can I reconcile? How many of them do you, do you not take? Okay. I understand. You don't take that one. You know what we're going to do? We're going to discontinue that one. If you're not taking it, it's not going to be, and why should we get messed with it? here? Who cares about adherence? I care about medication safety, number one. Number two, concordance. Do you believe you should be taking this stuff, or does your your son believe you should be taking this stuff, for your daughter? And then we'll measure adherence. CMS has it wrong because they're doing adherence first. So we, if you're adhering well to a lousy regimen, you end up with a broken hip. And in sure. fact, in fact, we have another study that we're we're publishing, and it showed that people that used this system versus not used this system had a delta. Uh, it was six months. Wash out six months and then measure. It had a delta of uh, eight hundred and four dollars uh, per member per year savings in Part A and B expenditure, mostly hospitalization. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's the same stuff we've been talking about. So the medication safety and the, and they had less surgery. And we have this actuary group, you know, uh, yeah. down in the Midwest that's a big actuary group. You would know who it is? Uh, <laughs> they're going through. They say, "Well, how could you reduce surgeons? You're a pharmacist. How can you reduce?" Surgery. Well, we said, look, we re- if it's lower limb, breaking the hips, that's how we do it because they're not falling as much,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know? Yeah. So, and, and they said, wow, you know, that we, they couldn't believe it. Now they, now they get it. Now they got it. Uh, but, you know, it's so if you get these actuaries involved, these big companies to double check you and you, and you, your peer review, you, you really get a couple of gold stars that way. And that's yeah. how we can market pharmacists. We say, look, we know... If this pharmacist does this stuff, it's going to help you downstream.
1: Yeah, it's funny. When I worked at DaVita, we, we were in renal care. So we, we had a, a, a my portion of population was at risk. And when we did the analysis at the end of the year, we only cared about total cost of care, right? That's the what you guys are going at. Um, and the first year we applied our, our group, the, the whole everybody got to audit and no one believed that pharmacy added that much value. And we were like, the only thing you did different this year was you put pharmacy on, right? You know, like you, yeah. you do nothing different the next year you add pharmacy and you drop, you know, $10,000 per patient per year for this cohort is because we kept them out of the hospital. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Yep. And they're, you know, they're really interested in that even more now because right now, you know, they are now more at risk. Mm-hmm. The government keeps making them more, the end-stage renal and uh, chronic kidney disease they're more at financial risk. so they so even now they're now they're actually concerned about meds seriously, right no, <laughs>
1: we, we were the start like we did the, yeah. the snap programs right. yeah. so in yeah. the in the
0: uh, eternal battle of independent pharmacy versus the big chains, are, are the big chains looking at medwise and that kind of stuff? Are they doing anything like that? Do you see them ever doing anything like that?
2: Ah uh, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. I would hope sometime they do. I mean, they have pharmacists working there, too. And they're and their pharmacists. I mean, I, I taught for 12 years, too. You know, like part-time and then three years full-time. I know so many pharmacy students I taught. And they don't want to come out. and. You know, we measured at the uh, University of Sciences. We did a study back in when I was there from like 84 to 94. 94 and um, we did a study on our graduates. And we found that 3.1 years out, those, those that went, went, went to work for a chain, like CBS and stuff, mm-hmm. 3.1 years, they're looking for something else. It's a hygienic factor. You know, there's this study from years and years ago about hygienic factor, motivating factors, what moves people. And the hygienic is like compensation and stuff, but the motivating stuff is I feel good about my job. I feel like I'm making a difference. I have responsibility, all that kind of stuff. So the hygienic factor, when you're young, coming out of pharmacy school, you have, you have loans to pay typically. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and Walgreens. Yeah, and years.
3: Years.
2: You're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, then uh, so so it's still it's still the same. Whether wherever they're working, I still feel that most of the pharmacists want to use what they learned in school. But to answer your question specifically, no, we haven't really. We've worked a lot with um, small chains. You know, and they're not small region like Thrifty and a couple of the uh, HEB. Mm-hmm. A couple of those yep. are, are working with us. Um, but mostly it's it's the community pharmacists, the independents. So they're they're the ones that in my mind, maybe I know I'm, you know, kind of slanted on this, but in my mind, they're the most they're, they're, they're the most innovative. And yeah. and, and you and give nipples. them something, they'll innovate around it. Yeah. They'll find ways to they'll they'll find ways to dress up like you'd never even thought about before. And uh, so that's really been my passion my whole life, you know, is uh, because that's what I grew up as. And I know I know these people, you know, I, I, so that's why I'm so glad we're working together because, you know, we, we should be, people, pharmacists are so important and people are starting to realize it, but they're not realizing it enough yet. So I think that together we can, uh, can really help them.
3: Yep. I would agree with that. So, so in, I'm going to extrapolate this fast forward, like a little bit, five, 10 years, what percentage do you think in revenue does this clinical services you start to layer on, start to make up for, for pharmacies?
2: Well, I, you know, I, I, I really hope that it'll be like ours, you know, we were 100 thing with pace, for example, now we're 50, 50, right. that kind of stuff. And, and I, I we have some pharmacists now that are really taking this seriously. They're doing concierge models,
3: mm-hmm. Yep.
2: you know, they're charging PMPM, PM, yep. you know, in the, in the 20 to $30 range. And, and it's, I think that kind of stuff is going to take off. But I also, I also know that from what we're seeing that some of these guys, Humana, some of these other guys are, are also interested because they can see the results that, that it happens when pharmacies use a system like this. So then they're going to be paying for it too.
0: In, any you know, uh, any yeah. progress there in private? Oh life? yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is, there is. And, and uh, it's not as much as it should be, <laughs> Right, but. Because, you know, and the reason is because, you know, you follow the dollars, right? I mean, they're incentivized on stores and stores have to do with adherence mostly. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and the more you have adherence, the the better it's going to keep all of us in business because people are going to fall and break their hip all the time.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, So I wonder, is there a PQA play there with...
3: Measures,
2: yeah. around I
1: mean, you know, a lot, they're still working on trying to figure out how to measure <laughs> what to measure at a pharmacy, right? Like they, like yeah. you know, PQA will tell you to your face, like they were not intended to yeah. use PDC at a pharmacy level, right? It was, yeah, we had at a you know health system or a, a plan level, yeah, and so they they know they've been measuring or not PQA, right? They PQA did it right, everybody else applied it incorrectly, right?
3: And they'll tell you to your face, right? Like, these are like, health plan measures, not. Right, uh, not a That's pharmacy right. measure. So
1: it's a matter of they know there's a there's something to measure at the pharmacy, but getting that information right now is really hard. Like Independence, I think, could do a great job providing it.
0: But then why wouldn't? So what would a would a Medwise score be as a PQA measure? What if what if that was a could that be a measure?
1: It could, I mean, you you couldn't necessarily say you'd almost have to do like a percentage of your patients under a certain score. But I, I mean, I don't know enough about the model yeah, to say. Can right. you drive everybody to a an eight?
2: All right, right. The commercial population. What we find in, in a commercial population, the the score. Yeah, there's about eight percent of the people are fourteen or higher or above fourteen. And okay. in a, in a in a part D population, it's it's uh it's mid teens, above that, and and we do have a couple populations, uh, twenty five percent over some of the. Right. Things with some Rental of the care. CK, you yeah. know, the end stage renal that kind of stuff—they're really oh. high.
1: Wow, yeah. So yeah. the interesting thing is, and you know, talking about people caring about where the money's at, it might accidentally be an interesting and cool thing where you have some of the vertical integration between the health plan and the pharmacy. It sucks that they still own their own pharmacies, but you know, like a, a Cigna and Express Scripts, they're going to start realizing that you know, CVS isn't a good pharmacy. When they're in, on the hook for the medical dollars, that might be a cool place to, you know, start to apply like a PMPM with, you know, a MedWise score.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I can. we should be getting our – hopefully we're getting our score in Pioneer here pretty soon. I know we're uh, – we, the mm-hmm. data's – we're sending the data now, and I think they're just okay. pulling this stuff together to send it back. So yeah, it should be
1: – Probably two to three weeks, I
0: think. Yeah, so in, I'm interested oh, in that – um, you know, you guys, we don't have a lot of analytics as far as looking across pharmacies and some, you guys have a, you guys are a lot further into that. It'd be interesting yeah. to see how our pharmacies compare um, in, in how they're already doing. And and so some of that's going to be interesting in comparing pharmacies against each other, uh, who's doing better, who's doing worse, and, and how you might think about it, how how you might think about a future where quality measures aren't, and it's not even just adherence. Mm-hmm. Let's get all right. right. It, it's possession, right? Right. We're being measured today by possession. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's not um, even
3: adherence yeah. technically,
0: because we're, we're you know we're not measuring the results of that. We're not recording that they take it. Right. And
1: uh, well, and I, I think you know, we we kind of glossed over how important one of the things you said earlier was. Is like I don't care about adherence. Um, I, I don't either. Right. If you take the drug. 50% of the time and the outcome is fine, that's all I care about, right? At the mm-hmm. end of the day, did you get better? And did I minimize all the bad things that can happen to you? Measuring yeah, I think adherence that, is silly. Yeah,
2: I think you're right. That, that, that's why, you know, we don't talk about it at all, but that's why concordance is so important in the middle between safety, optimize the, the regimen and measure concordance. Because if people don't agree with what you're presenting, then they're not going to take it anyway. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, it's just I and mean, most of most of the the stuff that comes over the transom just ad hoc is uh, somebody somebody like my, my one of my board members this this week, her dad's not feeling well. And she said, Can you please do a medication safety review? I said, Well here's what you need to do, blah blah blah. And uh, and then we got it to her and she came back. I just saw this morning. She said, this is so amazing. She said, I'm so happy. I said, I your recommendations were so logical and we're going to take them. And it's just the idea is that a lot of it's just changed time of day, as we talked about, right? Mm-hmm. So it's yep. not metabolic, metabolic collision. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we get a lot of that stuff. And it's the, it's the people that are in their 30s, 40s, 50s who have older folks who are used to doing as everybody says. You know, or not, yeah. right? And they're going to ten docs, you know? yeah. <laughs> So that's where that's where the community pharmacists. And the other thing is that the community pharmacists can probe the people on OTCs, and they'll be honest with them too, because they're still drugs, right? They still right. have to get metabolized, you know. So I think that they're in a great spot to have eyeball contact, FaceTime with the people. Oh, that's great. And yeah. Enroll them.
1: Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned that I was in a pharmacy yesterday actually, and we were we were talking to them about you know what makes their particular program special. And, you know, we're, we're sitting there in the door and one of the patients comes in and they said hello to all of the, the technicians and the pharmacist knew them all by name. The pharmacist knew them by name. And they were like, yeah, that was, um, you know, a patient that we put on MedSync." the same technician Mike calls them every month. He prods them every month mm-hmm. and he won't let them lie to them. Right. So he's, they have a relationship and they're accountable. I think there's just no substitute for that.
2: I agree. And, and particularly, the more we can raise attention to the, to, the, to the pandemic of adverse drug events that are 80% preventable, the better. So one of the things we're working on now is a, is a public relations thing where, be, where we're going to go where, like for example, let's say this thing happens in New Jersey with Medicaid. We've got a PR thing that's going, that's going to go out to get people aware of the problem with multi-drug combinations and, and that they should be checked, that kind of stuff. So I think that the more we can get this out there, then the more we can get public relations out there too. Mm-hmm. And we can get, you know, and then make, this because the awareness, the awareness now we did, uh, last week, year we did <clears throat> four different focus groups on stuff. And one of them was on the awareness of drug problems, you know, mm-hmm. medication safety. It's not there. You know, they just, they. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's not there. Wow. And it's our fault we have to we have to come up with the system we have to implement the system and we have to make people aware of the system yeah it's a big job no
0: i, I like that a that's job. a that's a that's a good idea i you know so when this comes out local independent pharmacies should be advertising about the dangers of multiple medications right, right? and right. to come to a, come to their pharmacy to, to help them look at the problems associated with well,
3: that. That and you have no more material to meet with your senator, or your congressman, or your state legislator yeah. um, as well, or your state association yep. and bringing that to them. that makes sense?
2: And we've had, for pharmacists that become MedWise certified, like in the Midwest, we have uh, placards, or what, what do you call it? Like, you know, not placards, but advertisements. Okay. You know, in-store, in in-store advertisements about say the safe use of medication. We've got a bunch of them that our, our group has made to help them with that.
0: Imagine the whole COVID thing is going to be a little bit of a, a break on it just because everybody is so busy right now.
2: You know, uh, one of the things we did on COVID, to give you another example, is we published an article. You can look on the line and find I forget the title, but it's, it's um, simulation, drug simulation. So we took… Uh, uh, we took, I think it was, I remember how many thousand people it was from a Blue Cross program in the, in the Northwest. And we ran them through. We, we have all the records, they sent us all the records that are made records. <clears throat> we took those records and didn't touch them, but we added one at a time the drugs they're using for COVID. Hydroxychloroquine, we started with, and all that kind of stuff. We added them one at a time, and we, we looked what happened to the risk score. Oh, yeah. And, and what we found was it went up every time. And most of it was prolonged QT, uh, obviously. But you know, um, that's that's a pretty easy thing to do when you have the system, is to because in the system, just for one patient, there's a sandbox, so you can take their regimen and in a sandbox here, and you can say, let me try a different beta blocker because they're they're partially metabolized or two D six or something, and you can see right away what does the risk score.
0: Where where does the genetic testing fall into?
2: uh... Well, genetic testing uh, is. Yeah, and we're we're working uh, to to push that out big time this year too. We've got a couple of things going on. I hope it I hope it happens. Uh, we're working real hard to try and get it. The difference between personalized pharmacotherapy and precision is personalized is using the matrix and changing time of day and stuff like that. But to make it precise, you really need to know on that two D six gene do they have a good side of that DNA from mom and dad or not? Maybe dad's doesn't work. Or moms, whatever, or both of them. So with the, when you do the cheek swab, you can find out about 20 to 30 different metabolic genes. That's what, about how many we have that are important, and, and you can see, okay, well, in 2D6, they are nor they, they we show right now that they're a normal metabolizer, right? That like, they have two good alleles. But now we did the cheek swab. Oh my gosh, they have phenoconverted converted from a normal to a poor. Normal to a poor because they have a poor. They don't have the two good genes. Well, we didn't know that in personalized medicine, but now precision, we can tell. Oh shoot, we, we got to really work on this this column here, you know, because they don't have it.
0: So you're saying you're you're hoping that's going to work this year? What does that mean? Are y'all coming up with us with a test that's going to be just those genes, or what? What's happening? There?
2: Well, we have yeah, we have it. We we have that already. But we're we'll To be honest with you, we're working on uh, trying to get some. Uh, some labs to do pricing that's reasonable. Okay. Um, the 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 problem with with lab pricing on on PGXs, uh, pharmacogenomics, is that if you have if you're if you have if your lab you've got 96 wells. So if you have 96 wells full and you put it through the reagents and all, that's a good day or a good. Te- if you have just three tests in there, <laughs> three wells, and you got to put it through, you just spent uh, you lost money. Oh. So the, they charge a lot. To do it, we're we're getting charged around three hundred dollars for a, a genotype for the, the the drug metabolizing enzymes, and um, that's too much. Right. You know, if, you, if if I had a tray like that, it cost you ten bucks, yeah. right? Right. You know, so so and then and then we're also introducing we we have d- done that now. We've done a lot of work over the last year and a half in transport genes. There's four hundred and fifty transport genes, believe it or not, and of them, there's about. 30 or 40, just like the metabolic genes that are important, the ones that transport the drugs around the proteins and things like that. So that will con- that, that's coming out this year into the matrix. And that'll be another good reason to use PGX, because then we'll be able to see on your metabolic genes and also on your transport genes. And hopefully next year, year after, we'll come out with receptor genes, because they're, they're the three things that are involved with drugs. It's the, 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 metabol- the, the metabolism, the transport, and then where they're going. Mm-hmm. So if you if you're taking morphine to to get to to uh, you know for analgesia, it goes to a, a, the mu receptor, and that receptor is under control of the genes from mom and dad.
0: Just think, it's just awesome what you are doing for for pharmacy and and what your company has done for the patient. And uh, I, we didn't get into it there, but the tons of savings that you've already helped with Medicare and 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 the, mm-hmm. and those are dollars or lives you know, those are, those are people yeah, that are being people. helped. Yeah. And I, I know, uh, yeah. you know, a, a friend of mine's, uh, grandfather fell and, and really never got over that. You know, that's probably yeah. why yeah. he passed away younger than he should have. So,
2: yeah. So uh, no, it, it affects you. It affects you psychologically. You know, in any every way, once you get into something. And the, the, the crime is that most of this stuff is preventable. That's the crime. Yep. And, and there's no, there's not nefarious physicians. They're, they're, they don't, they just never had this science in school. They they don't know what we're talking about today. They know a little bit of it, but they don't know. They just prescribe their 20 or 30 drugs that they're used to prescribing. And they have no idea what the other docs drugs are. Mm-hmm, but yeah. they, they, of course, they have to act like they do, but they really don't know what they are. And they don't know about how they work. You know that kind of stuff. So pharmacists are really the the real McCoy on this stuff. Nice. You know they've got the education. They just you know I graduated. I never had a toolbox. You, you know. You know. You, Josh, you probably didn't have a toolbox when you graduated. You yeah. know, from I, I
1: built one at DeVita, <laughs> yeah. actually.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but you come out, you don't right. have a toolbox, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 that's that's not right. So I hope that we can give give these folks a toolbox.
0: Well, it also that's makes me super point. super. Positive about pharmacy and the future of of where it can go, and uh, I, I really think I'm more positive about pharmacy now than I was maybe two years ago. And just a lot of things, uh, I guess necessity is is a uh, part of invention. Right,
3: Scott so, Pace quote.
0: Right. Well, we, we're running slowly out of time. Yeah,
3: I know. Yeah, it's we're been a
2: against
0: it. It's been a joy as usual.
2: Well, my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. It was great. Great yeah, chat, no,
0: uh, Always looking forward to the next time. We always learn so all right. much. <laughs> all right. Thank you. All right, Thanks, Thanks so much. So we'll all see you well. Out. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Catalyst Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and or following us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. Follow RX on your preferred social media platform, for the latest up-to-date pharmacy news and content.